You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, another game day for the Pelicans. Pelicans, but kind of a downer of a day after they dropped yesterday's game 140-125 to the Kings. We're going to talk about this game in the first segment. Then we're going to look at what's wrong with the defense, like really get into some of the stuff with the defense and why it's been as bad as it has recently, which is a bit of a shock, but also not that much of a shock. And we'll get into all of that in the second segment. Then in the third segment, take a look at the Wizards, a game all of a sudden you can't take for granted. And you're going to need to come out in the absolute right way. We will talk about it here coming up and all of that stuff in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do any of that in the lead up to tonight's game against the Washington Wizards, I'm going to be on the Pelicans official digital pregame show Pelicans preview talking about last night's game against the Kings previewing tonight's games against the Washington Wizards and talking about the Spurs as well look there's a bit of a downer around the team no doubt about that right now but there's still lots to talk about about how this team can improve and get better whether that's in the bubble whether it's this offseason there's a lot to talk about we're going to be doing it here I'm going to be doing it on the Pelicans official pregame show which is going to be a lot of fun as well that stream digitally so you'll see it on Twitter. They've been tweeting out the links. You can catch it there on pelicans.com, on their Twitch channel, on the YouTube channel as well, I think. Basically, wherever they put digital content, you'll be able to see me with host Caroline Gonzalez talking about all sorts of things regarding the Pelicans. It should also be a little bit of fun, too. I've seen the run of show and everything, so I'm excited to be on there. So look for it right around 6 o'clock. It'll only be 30 minutes or so in the lead up to tonight's game. But last night's game is what we want to talk about right now. It was rough. There's no doubt about it. A 140-125 loss to the previously winless Sacramento Kings. The Kings who looked not inept in the bubble. They didn't look like a miserable team, but they did not look like a team that was going to put up 140 points. And frankly, they had a bottom 10 offense going into this. They play a slow-paced style of offense, meaning it's going to be tougher for them to get a lot of points on the board. And then boom, 140. They put up 49 points in the first quarter. New Orleans offensively didn't play poorly. I actually liked what we saw out of them for the most part. Their shot, uh, their shot chart is very clean. Basically, they attacked the rim and they shot threes. And they shot threes well. They shot 41.2% from deep, 57.3% from the field. Overall, those numbers are really good. When you look at it, they had 13 second chance points. That's not bad. 17 turnovers isn't good, but it's better than the 2021 that we've seen from them too. And frankly, overall, you saw a really good game from Zion Williamson. 10, uh, 10 made field goals on 12 attempts, going to the line seven times, 24 points from him. Brandon Ingram, 24 points on 14 shots. He was three of four from deep. That's great. That's what you want to see. He chipped in three assists. Zion chipped in two. You had Drew Holiday going seven of 10 from the field, two of four from deep, five assists, five rebounds, 17 points. JJ Redick off the bench, five of 10 from deep, 18 points. Josh Hart doing his Josh Hart things, 11 points. 
You even had Lonzo Ball being aggressive in this game, getting to the rim, attacking in a way we don't normally see from him. He was one of four from deep, but four of seven overall. That's really good for him. That's three of three inside the arc. That's what you want out of this guy to be aggressive and attack. And he blew by a couple of guys and showed us something you don't normally see from him. Nine points on the night for him, 11 assists. All of the offensive numbers for New Orleans are fine. Like they were good offensively. There's no other way to put it. It's the other side of the ball that absolutely killed him. That was the big problem. And that's why they lost. Giving up 49 points in the first quarter is not good. Scoring 39 is. They didn't have really a bad quarter scoring wise till the fourth when things really slowed down. And like, frankly, the game was kind of over at that point. It was the defense that just wasn't there. And it wasn't there right from the get-go. The Kings came out looking like an absolute flamethrower led by Bogdanovich, who was 13 of 20, 6 of 9 from deep in route to 35 points. Bogdanovich's, there's two in the league and they're not related, do not or love playing against the Pelicans. Pelicans do not like playing against them. Remember how Bojan Bogdanovich for the Jazz lit him up in the two games that they had played uh, in the Smoothie King Center during the regular season. So this was rough having him come out and hit the shots he did after going like one for 16 I think it was the other night one for 17 that really kind of set the tone here New Orleans could not run the Sacramento Kings off the three-point line and basically we're just giving them open looks without really trying to contest them some of that I do think was by design and by their defense they've done this a lot where they're going to kind of pull that Bucks defense out and let teams bomb you from three and basically hope which is probably not what you want to do that they're going to miss more than they make look what they did to John Morant on Monday when basically it was like yeah shoot away against us and he went one of 10 they tried to do that somewhat against the Kings except Bogdanovich really burned them with that they were 16 to 33 so 48 and a half percent on the night like yeah you're going to lose if that's the case. You also had De'Aaron Fox go for 30, really driving, really attacking. He looked good in this one, and guys just couldn't keep up with him. He was blown by guys. Drew Holiday did what he could, but it wasn't enough in this game. You didn't see all defense, all first, all, all defensive team, whatever we're calling it, Drew Holiday in this one. And when you're playing Frank Jackson a lot of minutes, he is a good individual defender, but he was getting burned by De'Aaron Fox. Frank played 22 minutes in this one. The rotation is a little bit confusing and you can very clearly see that the Pelicans are not necessarily prioritizing winning right now, maybe because they kind of realize they're not going to. Um, and instead prioritizing kind of looking at the future, evaluating guys that might be a free agent and kind of trying to see what they have in this. Jackson Hayes got 10 minutes in there. Nicolo Melli got 15 and a half. They weren't good and they need to kind of make some evaluations to a degree on these guys. Both those guys will be back. Frank's really the one that's going to be a free agent that they need to take a look at. It was just kind of bad overall defensive effort, and it led to a bad rebounding. The Sacramento Kings had 13 offensive rebounds in this one, 17 second chance points for them. We've talked about defense leading to offense. It was a problem here. The Pelicans, who were inbounding the ball after opponent makes constantly in this one, didn't get out and run. Two fast break points on the night. New Orleans isn't going to win if that's what they're putting up. 17 second chance points for Sacramento, meaning they're grabbing their own offensive rebound and then scoring back on that, isn't a way to end possessions. Instead, by doing that, not only are you giving them two more points, essentially, 
or potentially three, you're then having to inbound the ball and you can't get out and run. So it's these things that really kind of compound on one another that make life really, really, really hard for New Orleans. You actually had to like what you saw offensively out of them in the half court in this one. You saw some really nifty passes from Zion. You saw them work the ball around a little bit more and try and create for each other and play a more cohesive half court offensive game. They're still not great at that though. And so when they're not able to just kind of do their thing, it really hurts them. And the defensive rebounding, I'd been saying this in all the previews we did, that's how you beat this team. They're not that great defensively. And so if they're giving up second chance opportunities, they're just going to get burned because they desperately need those stops. Then you factor in the offensive turnovers, having empty trips to and all of that. And yeah, it leads to this. If you cut down those second chance points by half, Call it, look, seven, put it at 10 points right there. Cut your turnovers down by five to get more in that 12 range. This is a very, very winnable game, even with all the other defensive issues that they've had. Not getting guys off the three-point line, getting blown by. They could have won this, but they're not able to do those things. The question is why? Why are they not good at playing defense? All season long to a degree, even though they improved after a certain period of time, but especially in the bubble right now. And that's what we're going to look at coming up next. But before we do that, start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios hosts Nyla Boudou and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. I get the Axios daily sports newsletter and it is basically like required reading first thing in the morning to go know what's going on in the world of sports. I've added their Axios Today podcast to my rotation. Get everything I need in 10 minutes. An awesome way to just start your morning, catch up on everything that matters going on around the world. Check it out, the Axios Today podcast. All right, so let's talk about the defense. What the hell is going on here, right? This is a defense that once it was Christmas Day through the end of the regular season, March 11th, was ranked 10th. Why have they looked so bad here? So there is some regression, just guys maybe not playing as well. And I do think part of the defense throughout that stretch, it was not quite smoke and mirrors, but maybe that number isn't the most accurate and most representative of how good they were. Again, a lot of it was team shooting poorly from three against them. And when you're not really closing things out, like, yeah, guys are going to be open three-point shooters and they're going to make those shots. So I think that you know, and maybe it was just a run of luck of things not regressing to the mean. I kind of laughed, and it's it's like what you saw in the Kings game when they came out firing, and everyone on Twitter is like, oh, this won't last the whole game. How many times have you said that? That doesn't happen against the Pelicans. Of course it's going to last the whole game. And I said as much, and maybe part of it is that just sometimes things don't regress, whether that's up or down. And so for a stretch, the Pelicans were one of the best teams at defending the three-point shot, except they gave up a lot of looks, a lot of attempts. That's eventually going to kind of burn you, and it's doing it right now. So part of it is that, and that's why you're seeing the Clippers get damn hot from three, the Kings get damn hot from three, because there's no pressure on those dudes, like, at all. Once a guy starts to get in a groove and a rhythm and start to make his three-point shots, you need to close out on him. You can't leave them wide open. So why are they getting wide open, though? What's going on here? Especially when you look at this roster and you're like, you know, they're, they're talented, right? You've got Drew Holiday, who's an all-defensive first-team guy. You've got Derek Favors protecting the rim down low. We think Lonzo Ball is maybe a good defender, right? You've got Josh Hart, who can do it. Uh, Ingram has all the tools to do it, right? But some of these things aren't actually the case. Lonzo Ball does not grade out as a good defender. I don't care what Lonzo Ball fans say. I think he's decent enough and he's not a bad defender. We got access to some of those B-ball index stats. And I got a login for that and I've looked at it. He doesn't grade out well. 
And when you watch him one-on-one, like, no, he's not an amazing lockdown defender. He has his moments and he's not bad, but he's not good. So keep that in mind. Ingram isn't a good defender. He's passable and he gets by again with a lot of his tools and his length. But you see him get boned by way too often, just doesn't seem to realize like what's coming, like thinks he can defend a guy, but it turns out he actually can't. And then all of a sudden that guy's at the rim scoring. So that's a bit of a problem too. Just because someone has the tools to be a good defender doesn't mean he is. And I think that's what you see with a lot of the guys here. Drew's good. We actually know Drew is good. Favors is okay at times, but there's only so much rim protection any one person can do. When you're getting blitz constantly at times, you're going to give up shots. Even the best rim protector is given up like 50% plus at the rim. So eventually it's going to go in the opponent's favor on a large enough volume with this sort of thing. So that's part of the problem right there is just individually, I don't think they're as good as people want to make them out to be. And Zion's not good on the defensive side of the ball, though at moments he shows flashes. But again, some of these guys are young. They shouldn't be really good defenders yet. Ingram should be starting to come into his own more than he is. Give Lonzo Ball another year. Zion, I'm not even worried about. There's plenty of time with it. And Favors just like is what he is. Maybe he actually needs to play power forward instead of center. That could be part of it. So when you look at it like that, like, yeah, you know, it's not a really great defense. And if they were, say, good individual defenders, maybe not on the level of Drew Holiday, but certainly like good defenders, you'd call them, which they're not, but say hypothetically they are, it doesn't mean you're good at team defense necessarily. And that's where a big part of the issue is too. Weak side and off ball stuff. That is killing New Orleans right now. Say you could shut a dude down one-on-one or at least hold your own to the point where that won't kill the team. It's everything else that happens. On those plays when you do get beaten, you do not see the Pelicans rotate over to take over and cover that man and keep him out of the paint. Or when they do, it means someone else needs to rotate again too. Imagine everyone on a string. If one person moves, it means that it's got to pull the next person with them to kind of fill the hole that was there. They don't do that. And that's how you end up with open shooters in the corner when the first guy rotates to take away the drive at the rim and then it's just a kick out pass to the left or right corner. They shoot a three, they're open, they make it. You need someone to then go close the corner and at least force passes around. If you get beat after like six, seven passes in a possession where they work it around the three-point line from one side to the other, like, okay, that's really good offense right there. I don't know if it's necessarily atrocious defense, but that's not what you're seeing from this team. Teams don't need to do that against New Orleans because once that first man rotates, the other guy's got to know to rotate too, and they don't. And that's if the first man rotates anyway, and they're not. And that's a big part of the problem. But then here's the thing. When you have to rotate that much, guys are out of position or you have a guard down low or a wing down low instead of a big. And that leads to second chance opportunities and offensive rebounds for the opponent. Favor struggles getting some board sometimes because he's just out of position because he had to rotate over. Same thing. You looked at a couple of these last night where Jackson Hayes rotates over and now it's Frank Jackson and Josh Hart trying to battle bigs for a rebound. Josh Hart's going to get a good bit of those, but he's not going to win every single time. Frank, he's a guard. He shouldn't be in that position in the first place, and he's not going to win that battle. That's a big part of the problem, too, of guys being out of position. Part of it is also their big rotation is great. We've seen Melly isn't a great defender. He's not a very good rebounder. Jackson Hayes in this one playing 10 minutes didn't really do well. And at times he's more boxing out, not trying to jump. And I don't quite know what's going on with him out there on the court. Again, he's a rookie. He shouldn't necessarily be in that kind of situation where like, what are you doing? And so part of it is that. 
And it's a big deal right now because New Orleans needs these stops. And if teams are going to beat them on the perimeter and the rotations don't happen and the weak side doesn't come over to help, you're going to get burned. And then if the first guy does do his job, it requires the second guy doing his job and then potentially the third and so on and so forth. Eventually, that's going to break down, yes, but you don't want it to break down on like the first or second one. Third, fourth, or fifth, like, okay, whatever. That's a big, big part of it and probably the part of it. Yeah, there's some good individual defenders, but when they're out of position all the time or they're not communicating or they're not good team defenders, it's going to hurt them. Another part of this is just pride. You're a professional NBA player. You see Drew Holiday upset when teams score on him. You don't see that kind of attitude from the rest of the team. And that's a problem too, I think. You know, you need to, to quote Michael Jordan here in the last dance, take it personally. You should be upset. There needs to be more of a sense of urgency. It's on the coaches to instill some of that into you too, but it's not like they're not doing that in practice. You think they're not screaming at him about like, play better defense, be upset. This is what you need to do. It's on the players too. And that's where I get concerned looking at this roster. They seem, I don't want, think you want to call them soft, but you definitely don't see a lot of like the dirty work stuff and playing that kind of hard-nosed way like Josh Hart does all game. He certainly does it. Drew does it. But does the rest of the team do it? And I don't know. And so that's where you've got to really look at this in the roster construction and be like, okay, if I were David Griffin, what do we need to get done? Or David Griffin is probably looking at this team being like, okay, there's clearly some things we need to work on and we need to change. And if a player can't flip that switch, and look, it's the idea of lead a horse to water but can't make him drink kind of thing. You know, you can tell everyone what to do. Doesn't mean they're going to do it. You can tell them the right mentality to have. Doesn't mean that they just kind of hit that mentality. And that's a big part of the problem. So when you look at this team, they definitely need some more toughness and a little more fight in them, I think. And so all of those factors are why this defense is playing such bad basketball right now. All right, we got a game tonight in the game on Sunday. We'll talk about those here coming up in a minute. But don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. And then check me out on Pelicans Preview, the official Pelicans digital pregame show where I'll be the, dead, uh, the guest analyst. At 6 p.m., I think, I'll tweet out the link to Pelicans. The official Pelicans Twitter account will tweet out the link with me as the guest analyst, host Carolyn Gonzalez, who's been doing this for all of these games so far. You've gotten some great insight there. We'll have more. We're going to have a little bit of fun there, too, taking Twitter questions as well. So tweet at Pelicans if there's a question you want me to try and answer on there. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. It's exciting to be on their show and just talk some basketball. And look, Pelicans aren't out of this yet. Two and a half games back of Memphis for eight, but they're also tied for 12th in the Western Conference race right now. So a bit of a hurdle to climb, but they're playing some of these teams, particularly the Spurs, and you can get the advantage there if you beat them on Saturday. So check me out on Pelicans Preview at 6 p.m. And then, of course, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. All right, so the Washington Wizards tonight, second night of a back-to-back for the Pelicans. Fatigue could be an issue. I do think it helps they had a noon game, so they should have more than normal time to recover for this than they would on a normal back-to-back. But still, nothing is normal about the bubble and what we're seeing here. Washington Wizards, is I mean, if you were going to pick a team to play on the second night of a back-to-back, it's probably this one. They're 0-4 in the bubble. No John Wall. They haven't had him all season long. No Bradley Beal in this one. That's really big, too. Um, That's a guy who's their leading scorer this season, and it's, like, not even close. uh, At 30.5 points per game. Losing him is pretty good. Uh, Davis Bertans, 15.4 points per game, who they're also missing. So they're missing their top two leading scorers in this. They're led by Rui Hakamura, uh, rookie, 13.2 points per game. Thomas Bryant's a big who's been playing pretty well for him in the bubble 
so far. That could be a bit of an issue. They've got some bigs who can kind of do some stuff down low. Rui plays on the wing, but he can get down low. Thomas Bryan has been playing pretty well, but like no one on this team should scare you in theory, but it's the Pelicans, and I don't know how much I trust this team necessarily. Um, so for the Wizards, they're not a good three-point shooting team, so you might see the team leave some shots open and really try and take away the inside. You've just got to do, if you're going to do that, you need to anticipate long rebounds off of those three-pointers, off the misses, hopefully, which means you've got to have guys kind of in the mid-range ready to grab those buckets so you don't give up second-chance opportunities. They're not a great offensive rebounding team, particularly right now. That can maybe play into New Orleans' favor. They're also a really bad defensive rebounding team, so if you can just make things easier with Zion Williamson cleaning up on the offensive glass, getting some of those things. I should have mentioned that in the in the last segment. He's not a good defensive rebounder right now. He's a really good offensive rebounder because he's grabbing his own misses, and that kind of inflates his rebounding numbers overall, but he's not good on the defensive glass right now. Um, look out for a guy like Ish Smith, who is playing pretty well for them. We we know him a little bit here. Uh, and he's been a bit of a spark plug in a starter's role at times for them. Um, other times kind of coming off the bench as well. They don't shoot well, so if you just rebound, you should win this game. But you never know with this team a little bit. So watch out for Thomas Bryant, Rui Hakamura, and Ish Smith. And then a game on Sunday as we go a little long on the podcast here against the San Antonio Spurs. This is a big one. This is a big game because they're a team you're in the running against. And you've got to get this victory just like you're going to need to get the other game against the Sacramento Kings. If you can get the win over the Spurs, you're going to feel okay about how things have gone. They're 2-2 two and two since the restart, surprisingly winning their first two games and then losing their second two. This team is led by DeMar DeRozan. If you can limit him, you can limit a lot of the damage that can be done here. In the opening game, 27 points, 26 for Derek White. In the second game, let me pull it up here, you had De uh, Deontay Murray go for 21, whereas DeRozan was a little bit quieter. And then in the third game, DeMar DeRozan went for 30 points as well. So they have guys who can score. Then in the fourth game, what did he do? I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh yeah, just 18. And then Derek White again. So there's three names we've talked about right there. DeMar DeRozan's going to shoot a lot of those mid-rangers. You're going to probably put Drew Holiday on him to contest him a good bit with all of this. Uh, Deontay Murray can score 10 points per game, but he's a really good rebounding guard for the Spurs. That is a bit of a problem, and that is a guy you're going to need to not let grab offensive rebounds or anything like that. And then those defensive ones, if you can get a big to out-rebound him and get second-chance opportunities... Yeah, you're going to feel a whole lot better. The thing is, the Spurs are a good defensive rebounding team. Uh, they're not a good offensive rebounding team choosing to try and get back and play and eliminate transition. They've been doing this for years and years and years. So New Orleans is going to need to do a lot of that half-court offense that we saw from them in the Kings game where they look good. So there's potential that they can do it. Derek White, another backcourt player. So this is going to be won or lost in the backcourt for the San Antonio Spurs. This is where when those guys drive and attack and a guy's blown by for the Pelicans, smart, crisp rotations are going to lead you to victory. It's the Spurs that without LaMarcus Aldridge on paper, you're a better team, but they have the better record in the bubble right now. And that is important. And if the Pelicans don't fix the defense, you're going to lose to this team. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. 
Don't forget, check out the Pelican show today, 6 p.m. Uh, Pelicans preview where I will be on there with Caroline Gonzalez, the official Pelicans pregame show. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And of course, check out the Axios Today podcast as well. Subscribe to their sports newsletter too. That is like a must read. And basically the first thing I read every single morning. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all on Monday. Monday.